0: Hello, welcome to Feed, Play, Love, the bite-sized podcast for parents. I'm Siobhan Hunt. This is a show all about parenting. I speak to experts and carers about everything from fussy eating, toddler behavior, sleep and more. Many of us farewelled 2021 saying good riddance only to discover that 2022 had a few nasty surprises for us. One of those is the impact of the Omicron variant on childcare centres. Of course, this is particularly relating to parents with children under six and under five. Lisa Bryant is an early childhood advocate, consultant, and journalist, and she's been observing the impact of this current virus, this current strain of the coronavirus on childcare centres. Hi, Lisa, how are you? I'm good. So we are speaking on Monday and, of course, uh, this is the first week of many parents going back to work and hoping that their childcare centres are are ready and waiting for them. What um, are they likely to face this week? Look,
1: I think it depends whereabouts they are in Australia, but um, there's generally, you know, childcare centres are not immune from the same kind of disruptions that we're seeing across the board. Some staff will have caught the virus, some staff will have to be isolating. But there's a key difference with childcare centres than, say, your local Woolies, which is that services have regulated numbers of staff members. So if your service has too many staff members who are isolating or who have caught COVID, then they're not going to be able to open up.
0: And you mentioned in an article you wrote this week um, in the the Sydney Morning Herald and The Age that um, the the problem with that, apart from the fact that parents won't have care for their young children while they work, was it also that they uh, will be charged for that day if the centre needs to close?
1: Yeah, that's right. At various times during the pandemic, the federal government has allowed services to do what's called waiving fees. So they can waive the gap fee for parents and still get from the government the the parents' childcare subsidy. It's not great for services because they're waiving a large fee, but it's good for parents because it means when a service is closed or when they can't use it, they don't have to pay that fee. But unfortunately, at the moment, services are only allowed to waive a gap fee if a child has has COVID and can't attend or if the service has been told to close by the local State Department of Health, State or Territory Department of Health. So that means where a service closes because they just literally don't have enough staff to open up, they can't choose to waive those fees. They legally have to charge those fees. And that's a bit of a problem.
0: Yeah, and it's also, um, you also point out that uh, the average age of people who are getting cron are the, the age of our early childhood ed- educators. Yeah,
1: across Australia, the highest proportion of people who are testing positive to Omicron, is the 20 to 29-year-old old age group. And that primarily is the age group that staffs our long day care centres.
0: There are so many problems with this, isn't there? I mean, early childhood education is so important, regardless of what's going on in the world. But it sounds like the sector itself has suffered terribly during the pandemic, but also, uh, as a parent of young children, I don't know how anyone gets work done with a child under five or six.
1: Yeah, precisely. You know, We need our centres to operate. We need them to operate, if nothing else, for our healthcare workers, our nurses, you know, and our doctors who are often at the age where they have young children, you know. But we also need it for any parents trying to work but we also need it for the children themselves we know early education and care is so important to young children but at the same time they're the one group that can't be immunized at the moment so they're the group at highest risk now we're told consistently that it's not as severe a disease in the not five year old group as it can be for other groups that said a child in that age group died in New South Wales overnight but even though it may not be as severe a disease in that age group children can bring it back to the family home or can pass it on to their educators Mm. and that's you know, one of the real dangers within the education and care setting. Now, luckily, our services are experts at, um, you know, at infection control at the best of times. You have to be in an education and care service. And certainly a lot of them are doing things like using the outdoor areas a lot more because that's good ventilation. But it doesn't matter. If they don't have the educators to open, then you know, we're stuffed and if they do have to close and they can't waive parents' fees, then parents are out of pocket for a service they can't actually use.
0: Uh, You mentioned the child that passed away overnight and when I read that, I remember thinking, I mean, it was only recently, of course, but it sort of went on to say that the child had underlying health conditions and I thought, all those parents out there with unvaccinated children who have underlying health conditions, I'm pretty sure there's a fair few of them. And yes. that might be terrifying news to hear a child. Especially an
1: underlying health con- condition can be asthma. How many yes. children have asthma? Mm. It's, yeah, it's, you know, like I i can't imagine anything scarier than parenting a child in the age group for which vaccinations haven't yet been approved yet.
0: Mm. Uh, Have you heard any, I mean, I don't want to cause panic because, as you mentioned, generally the advice is that children um, do better or don't do as badly as adults. Um, Have you heard any news in terms of vaccinating the under-5s? Because all we're talking about at the moment, of course, is trying to get kids vaccinated before they go back to school. Uh, But as lots of parents with younger children are going back to work, they are particularly, um, you know, vulnerable and we'd like them to get vaccinated, right?
1: Yeah. um, Look, in the US they're doing it, but it hasn't yet been approved by target in Australia. So, yeah.
0: Mm, still a way off. Um, well, I'm hoping to get an interview with someone from Royal Children's Hospital in Melbourne this week. So hopefully we'll get more info on inter- on that in terms of vaccinations and how kids are doing generally. Um, in, in your experience and opinion, I mean, obviously, experience is an interesting word when it comes to this virus, because things change so quickly. But From your perspective, is there anything that the government could do right now to make things better for early learning centres and for parents? Early education care,
1: childcare is always a mess because it's managed jointly by federal government and state and territory governments. The federal government could certainly make things easier by allowing Services that have to close to waive fees, regardless of the reason why they have to close. So, if they can't get enough staff, they should be able to waive fees. The state governments can help by getting, and the federal government, by getting um, rapid antigen tests out to services as quickly as possible. But I tell you what, they could both do that would make things a lot, lot easier is simplify all of this. Why not go back to what we had at the beginning of the pandemic, which is just making childcare free for everyone? Why not support childcare centres by giving them more funding to enable them to offer free childcare for parents? Because children need that certainty of where they're going. Families need that certainty. And I think the final thing that the federal government could do is actually do something about the workforce problems in the education and care service, because this was a foreseeable problem at the very beginning of the the pandemic and nothing has been done about it.
0: Yeah. Well, I really do feel for parents and the educators going through this at the moment. Uh, Lisa, thank you so much for your time today.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: That was early childhood advocate, consultant and journalist, Lisa Bryant. And for more information about Lisa, I'll pop her website in the notes of this episode. I'm Siobhan Hunt. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please rate and review us so we can reach and help even more parents. And if you have a topic you'd like me to cover, send your email to feedplaylove.com at theparentbrand.com.au. See you next time.